Genesis chapter 47, verse 1. Then Joseph went in and told Pharaoh and said, My father and my brethren and their flocks and their herds and all that they have are come out of the land of Canaan. And behold, they are in the land of Goshen. He's just telling Pharaoh that his family has arrived from Canaan to Goshen. Two, and from among his brethren, he took five men and presented them unto Pharaoh. So they're representatives of the whole clan of 70. And by the way, with that number 70, the next time we're going to see it is when Moses takes the Israelites out of Egypt. The first place that they'll camp is this place where there are 70 palm trees and 12, I think, springs. It's no coincidence. The springs represent the 12 tribes, and the number 70 represents the original 70 people from the tribes that first came to Egypt. That is, Jacob and his whole family who are now arriving in Egypt are a family of 70 individuals. But when they leave Egypt, there'll be millions of people. We'll read about that later in the book of Exodus. That place actually still exists. I've found it on Google, but it's really hard to count the trees because they're clustered so tight. Three, and Pharaoh said unto his brethren, what is your occupation? And they said unto Pharaoh, thy servants are shepherds, both we and our fathers. Four, and they said unto Pharaoh, to sojourn in the land we are come, for there is no pasture for thy servants' flocks, for the famine is sore in the land of Canaan. Now therefore we pray thee, let thy servants dwell in the land of Goshen. And even though there's a worldwide famine, God has allowed Goshen to still be lush and have grass in it for the cows to eat because God intended all along for Jacob's family to go there and dwell. 5. And Pharaoh spoke unto Joseph, saying, Thy father and thy brethren are come unto thee. 6. The land of Egypt is before thee. In the best of the land make thy father and thy brethren to dwell. In the land of Goshen let them dwell. And if thou knowest any able men among them, then make them rulers over my cattle. So he even wants to allow them to serve him, and obviously they'll get paid for it, to, to herd his cattle. It's been spoken twice by God that whoever blesses Israel will be blessed and whoever curses Israel will be cursed. This first Pharaoh who they meet when they first enter Egypt is blessing them. He's giving them the best of the land. He's offering them gifts and everything. He offered them transportation. So in turn, Israel is going to bless him. But the Pharaoh who's ruling when they leave Egypt is going to curse Israel and in turn, God will curse that Pharaoh. 7. And Joseph brought in Jacob his father and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh. Now remember it says in the Bible, it says in the New Testament, that the greater blesses the lesser, which means that Jacob is a greater person than Pharaoh. Even though Pharaoh is the king, king of Egypt, he's not greater than Jacob because Jacob has the promise of God behind him. Also, Jacob seems to be older than Pharaoh. 8. And Pharaoh said unto Jacob, How many are the days of the years of thy life? 9. And Jacob said unto Pharaoh, The days of the years of my sojournings are a hundred and thirty years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained unto the days of the years of the life of my fathers and the days of their sojournings. So he's saying that he has lived young compared to his fathers. He's only lived a hundred and thirty years, but his fathers lived older than that, and they had better lives than he did. He said his life. Now in the Bible, be careful of the word evil. 
because they use it in the Bible differently a lot of times than we use it today. It's one example where a word in English only has one meaning. But in the Bible, that same word can have all kinds of different meanings, depending on the context in which it's used. And evil is one of those words. Here, and in most cases in the Old Testament, when you see the word evil, it simply means bad. That's all it means. So sometimes it'll say that God brought evil on a person. Well, God never does anything evil, but he allowed that person to go through adversity, or he disciplined that person by punishing them. But it isn't like witchcraft evil. When Jacob says his life has been evil, he doesn't mean that it's been full of demonic influence. He just means he's suffered a lot of hardship and adversity. 10. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from the presence of Pharaoh. That's a good thing for you and I to know as well, that we don't do more than what God's told us to do. Once we have finished our mission, we end it. We don't try to add things on that God never told us to do. God prompted Jacob to bless Pharaoh, and that was enough. So now Jacob left to go to Goshen. 11. And Joseph placed his father and his brethren and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt, in the best of the land, in the land of Ramses, as Pharaoh had commanded. So Goshen must also be the land of Ramses, which is one of the pharaohs. 12. And Joseph sustained his father and his brethren and all his father's household with bread, according to the want of their little ones. Now in Egypt, they had all kinds of food and storage. But they had a policy, and we already read this in a previous chapter. Their policy was only to sell corn to foreigners. And that's why when Jacob's brothers came, they only came to buy corn. But in Egypt itself, they had all kinds of stored food. And the Egyptians were eating and buying from Joseph all kinds of stored food. So they did have grain. They probably had canned things, pickled things, whatever, dried meat, all kinds of stuff that if you were in Egypt, you could eat. So now that Jacob's family is in Egypt, they can eat all those other foods that have been in storage. Joseph is actually giving them food. They don't have to buy it. He's just giving them food according to how many children they have. 13. And there was no bread in all the land, for the famine was very sore, so that the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished by reason of the famine. Now the famine is progressing to where there's no bread. 14. And Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan for the corn which they bought, and Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. All along, Joseph has been selling food both to the Egyptians and to the foreigners. But the Egyptians were allowed to buy different kinds of foods besides corn. The foreigners were only allowed to buy corn. So he's taken all that money into to Pharaoh. 15. And when the money was all spent in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came unto Joseph and said, Give us bread, for why should we die in thy presence? For our money faileth. So now the Egyptians are saying, We ran out of money. We can't buy food from you anymore, but we don't want to starve, so give us food anyway, even though we can't pay for it. 16. And Joseph said, Give your cattle, and I will give you bread for your cattle, if money fail. So Joseph said, Any of you who are out of money, you can now sell me your cattle for food. Now you might think Joseph is really a cruel opportunist and that all he cares about is getting rich, but that isn't what's going on. Everything Joseph is collecting is for the king of Egypt. The king of Egypt represents God in this story, and Joseph represents Jesus. When we come to Jesus, we give him our entire lives. We don't hold anything back. So all of our finances belong to Jesus, and all of our animals belong to Jesus. 
17, And they brought their cattle unto Joseph, and Joseph gave them bread in exchange for the horses, and for the flocks, and for the herds, and for the asses, donkeys. And he fed them with bread in exchange for all their cattle for that year. 18. And when that year was ended, they came unto him the second year, and said unto him, We will not hide from my Lord, how that our money is all spent, and the herds of cattle are my Lord's. There is nothing left in the sight of my Lord but our bodies and our hands. So they're saying, we're still hungry, but we can't give you any cattle and we can't give you any money. You already have it all. 19. Wherefore should we die before thine eyes, before both we and our land? Buy us in our land for bread, and we in our land will become bondmen unto Pharaoh, and give us seed that we may live and not die, and that the land be not desolate. So they're saying, buy our land, then Pharaoh will own it, we'll get food, but Pharaoh will always have part of our crops because he'll own the land. 20. So Joseph bought all the land of Egypt for Pharaoh, for the Egyptians sold every man his field, because the famine was sore upon them, and the land became Pharaoh's. So now Pharaoh owns all the land of Egypt, which he did not own before. Before that, Everybody else owned their own land, but Pharaoh just owned the palace and stuff. But now he owns everything. And when you come to Jesus, you give Jesus, you give him your life. 21. And as for the people, he removed them city by city from one end of the border to Egypt, even to the other end thereof. 22. Only the land of the priests bought he not. For the priests had a portion from Pharaoh, and did eat their portion which Pharaoh gave them. Wherefore, they sold not their land. So the only people who didn't have to sell their land were the Egyptian priests. And Joseph actually moved people around. 23. Then Joseph said unto the people, Behold, I have bought you this day your land for Pharaoh. Lo, here is seed for you, and ye shall sow the land. So now Joseph is saying, Pharaoh owns the land, but you guys are going to work it, and you're going to give him a cut of the profits. 24. And it shall come to pass at the in gatherings that ye shall give a fifth unto Pharaoh, and four parts shall be your own, for seed of the field, and for your food, and for them of your households, and for food for your little ones. So from now on, it's established that they will always give Pharaoh 20%, but they can have the rest to live on. 25. And they said, Thou hast saved our lives. Let us find favor in the sight of my Lord, and we will be Pharaoh's bondmen. 26. And Joseph made it a statute concerning the land of Egypt unto this day, that Pharaoh should have the fifth. Only the land of the priests alone became not Pharaoh's. Now they're basically slaves to Pharaoh. And when you come to Jesus, in the end, you become his slave, you become his servant, and he is your master. This doesn't mean that God wants us to be poor. This is a spiritual lesson. We don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for Jesus. He owns us spiritually. He owns our thoughts. Our thoughts should be for him. We should be focusing on godly things and not worldly things. He owns our careers and our future. Where we go should be all about him and proclaiming his gospel. 27. And Israel dwelt in the land of Egypt, in the land of Goshen, and they got them possessions therein, and were fruitful and multiplied exceedingly. Over the years, the Hebrews in Goshen are having more and more children, and they're getting greater, and they're acquiring possessions and wealth. 28. And Jacob lived in the land of Egypt 17 years. So the days of Jacob, the years of his life were 140 and 7 years, because he came to Egypt when he was 130, and he lived 17 more years. And remember, Joseph was 17 years old when he left home, 
And now Jacob has been in Egypt for 17 years before he dies. 29. And the time drew near that Israel must die, and he called his son Joseph, and said unto him, If now I have found favor in thy sight, put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh, and deal kindly and truly with me. Bury me not, I pray thee, in Egypt. Israel is saying to his favorite son Joseph, I want you to promise that you will not let my bones stay here in Egypt, that I will be buried in the land of Canaan, in the land of my possession. 30. But when I sleep with my fathers, thou shalt carry me out of Egypt and bury me in their burying place. And he said, I will do as thou hast said. And as you know, the Egyptians knew how to mummify people. I believe this means that Jacob was mummified. I mean, he could dig up his bones, or if his bones are in a sepulcher, I guess he could take them out of a sepulcher. Maybe he wasn't mummified, but he could have been. That could have been the easiest way to have this all done. Joseph is actually going to be dead when Jacob's bones are taken out of Egypt, but Moses will take them out because Moses will remember the promise that Joseph made to his father. And it's a promise that's going to be commemorated throughout the generations until Moses is born. 31. And he said, Swear unto me. And he swore unto him. And Israel bowed down upon the bed's head. Israel was sitting on the bed, and Joseph had to put his hand under Israel's thigh to show submission and to show that he was making a promise. And then when they were done with that ritual, then Israel, I think it sounds like he got down on his knees and bowed down to worship at the bedside, which is what Westerners traditionally have done if they've prayed at their bedside. I bet they got this tradition from this verse in the Bible where that's exactly what Israel is doing. And that is the end of Genesis chapter 47.